You, you don't hear like 70% of pyramid projects fail, do you? Fail <laughs> <laughs> in the first year. In the first year, exactly. <laughs> No, let, let, let me start. Let me frame some up for you guys, right? This is the is the is the challenge, right? So, current delivery of of change in a business in, in an enterprise or in a sizable organization, right? You have got kind of two schools of, of thought. You've got the the traditional, the prince to your project managery waterfally lot, right? Where you spend your entire life for months doing a detailed project plan. You immediately get into execution and it's screwed, right? And you got it's like then you constantly like have to fudge the plan or report on the plan, and there's all that. And then there's the other side of the fence, which is like the the kind of the bad agile, let's call it, right? The bad bad agile brigade that are kind of no, we have no plan. We just jump into the thing, and we like we don't hold to dates, we don't hold to budgets, we don't hold to anything else. And we just do random shit, really, and and, and that's now. What I was thinking is, it, like, if you were back in the what three thousand BCs or whenever pyramids were about, and I really hope I'm like about that sort of time, but I'm sure they didn't have either approach, and they got some serious like pyramids built. Now I appreciate that they had slaves, whips, and lots of stuff like that, but they delivered some kind of complex engineering in the middle of a desert quite effectively you, you don't hear like 70% of pyramid projects fail do you fail <laughs> <laughs> in the first year in the first year exactly you don't well, they did take 20, 20, 20 odd years to be built so uh, I'll say uh, they probably had a long <laughs> um, they, I wouldn't want to see get their Gantt chart let's put it this way you might not think they did <laughs> I don't think they came with like your weekly four box report and gone, okay, we laid four bricks this this week and like next week we're going to lay another four. And <laughs> we're currently green for human labour. Yeah. We're only mitigating the risks. Yeah. <laughs> but run a bit low on water. I don't know. I just, it just, there seems to be a more natural way that is just like our obsession with certainty nowadays kind of kills things. And then the, the, the other side of the coin is our obsession with agility. Yep. But the thing you just said it there is the is the obsession with the certainty. Because the the world we live in right now is a lot more uncertain than obviously when obviously if you build the first pyramid, then yes, you will have had lots of uncertainties. You might have thought, oh, this is gonna take me two years and then end up with five years. <laughs> but as they build more of them and they were building quite a lot of them. Again, I'm not an archaeologist. I don't take this as a... <laughs> I'm sure if you Google it, it probably comes up with a different answer. But I'm thinking that they, because they built so many of them already, they kind of knew the process and they kind of knew how long it takes. Yeah, but they had a first a, a one. Of and, and I don't think the first one took 100 years. No, no. Because they were built they with, like, with one person in mind to put in it, I think, or them and their family. Yes. And they also build smaller ones as well. So the, the, the ones that you, the big ones that you see on their paper money in Egypt or, you know, or the, the yeah, posters, yeah. They, they came way later. Uh, they were building small ones. They, they have hundreds of pyramids all over the place for different <laughs> kings and queens. And, you know, so Pharaohs just, and pharaohesses yeah. or whatever they yes. were called. Yeah. Or... Yeah. So it wasn't just the, yeah. So I, I think they, they had previous experience 
building them so they kind of knew what they're building and how, how long roughly something takes um, but with most agile or even non-agile work that we have is like oh you got this budget and you know and i'm pretty sure the egyptian kings probably didn't have a budget they were just like build it <laughs> some treasury kind of like stash where they go oh, no we'll have this to maintain the army yeah. and this much to maintain they wouldn't like on endless slaves and endless time yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, they, they would have found the money somehow if, if that makes sense but, but by an organization where you're only limited to a certain amount and i guess the, the obsession comes in is because you don't want to go over the budget because oh my god we're gonna well, it's going to get too big. It, and that's the thing. It's an iron triangle, right? If you don't go over the budget, right? If you go over the budget, you risk not paying your people. You risk not having paying your supplies. You risk not having a business. So it's an imperative yeah. well, to kind of at, at least have a good idea of what it's going to cost you. I think. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why experimentation comes in. This was so important to experiment your ideas and get feedback and then experiment further feedback experiment further feedback <laughs> until you get to a stage where you kind of roughly know what you're building the where the value is where the customer yeah. is going to get the most value because you've been constantly talking to your customer and like traditional software development that's how i started was i remember when we were rewriting this payment system they said six months is going to, it's going to take six months to do it the people who estimated the six months were using a different language to estimate than the language they decided to write in they were yeah. using uniface right and they, they start they moved to java in the middle of it so moving from uniface to java because java was much easier to find people to do the uniface development so it took two and a half years wow in total to actually rewrite it all because they, they didn't think about mm. how complex this java is going to be compared to what they had so you, that, that that's also is important where you get the right people in the room when you're doing all these uh yeah. estimations and you know estimations and so yeah and obviously there was no experimentation you just build the whole thing and then you release even if it's you know if it's even if it's the wrong product you just have more change requests we basically had a development deadline that we had to release the product on and then we had change requests every month for the next year because there was so much being discovered as they were building it but they couldn't obviously do it add it to the product they had to wait for the change request they had to wait for the board to agree on the change request. They had this whole ridiculous process in place where if you wanted the change, it will take you six months. Where yeah. when I discovered Agile, it was they were doing more big, less fewer big bang releases, but they were doing more releases more often to get feedback. The feedback is valuable because then you can change. I mean, this is what I always uh, tell people: agility isn't faster. It's not supposed to be. It's not about speed. Agility is about delivering pro the right product. It's about the right value, identifying the value early, earlier. Um, so if you're going to, let's say, if you have 100 houses you need to build with Agile versus 100 houses you need to build with Waterfall, it's going to take you about the same. The difference is when you build, let's say, five houses, you realize they actually need to be three bedrooms instead of two bedrooms. You're much quicker <laughs> to, add, to change it and change your plan around it versus you build 100 houses and then you realize you need to build Three bedroom houses instead of two bedroom houses. Now you have to Knock <laughs> destroy them all, add extensions, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or add extensions. So it costs you more, or it takes longer. So when I hear people talking about speed because of agility, no, it has nothing to do with speed. I mean, a byproduct of it could be 
speedier because the speed you gain is the fact that the feedback you get will help you not build 100 houses because you will only you only needed 50 because you only have 50 families to house um i mean that will save you 50 <laughs> you can probably build in half the time because what happens is because you're constantly talking to the customer you're constantly getting feedback you realize the requirements change as you build yeah i think like you say that everyone wants certainty now i think people just lurch from one like buzzword to another without like you explained it very eloquently i think ali but people like launch from one thing to another so people are like oh, i've heard about power apps i want to use power app because i've heard it's gonna be great i want to use agile in this project because you know i've heard it's um, better than so and so whereas like without really understanding like the nuances or like the meaning behind it <laughs> like well actually yeah it could be beneficial if you used it in this way you just reminded me of like i was on an, an it project and which was which didn't turn out particularly well where the vendor was like trying to build stuff in the background that actually we thought they'd already got and they'd sold us so then they were like trying to fix it but they were like oh we run agile so you know we we release it every eight weeks and uh and you know that's that's agile it's like well but you're releasing stuff that breaks other stuff and you haven't done any testing and yeah. we're supposed to be getting live with this thing and if you carry on doing that we're not be able to like we're able to run the business it's like well that that's agile it's like i I don't think it is. I'm pretty sure it's not just an excuse for breaking yeah. stuff. That's fragile, not agile. <laughs> yeah. You still have it's a like got, Yeah, they got this buzzword. It's like then they were like then they like ramped out laser testing. So oh, we need to like, get all these test scripts and automate them. I was like, well, cool, that's that's better. But you're still like you haven't built what we've asked you to do and we can't work it until it's there. And then when it is there, you can't break it. So I don't I, like from the customer's point of view. I don't give a flying shite whether you call it agile or waterfall, or whatever. You've got this. I want it to work like this. And until we get to that, but like after that, you want to do improvements. Cool. Then we can like have a backlog and work on it and stuff. But until that point, I've got zero care about how you get to that point. You know, I just need a date that we're going to go and manage to that. But it's like, it seems like it's one or the other or, you know, this buzzword and that we're not really understanding all the nuances behind each bit about when to use it. Yeah, half the time, um, I don't know about, I mean, I'm sure Steve does the same thing. Half the time, you have to save the customer from themselves because <laughs> what, what they actually, what what, the, what they want, I mean, when I say customer, I mean, I'm talking about like like the organization from themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's because yeah. they're building something that the customer doesn't hasn't asked is because you just you're thinking this is what the customer wants but have you actually talked to the customer have you got the feedback have you got you know it yeah can't agree more agility, it's it, sorry? Man, i can't agree more look give me an example like project i'm doing at the moment i'm replacing like the timesheet system for the recruiter yes. i'm working in right now and it's not just the customer right it's the project team saving the project team for themselves so yesterday i was off doing like la-di-da ops board meetings and things like that as i do and um, I, like, I gave a mission to my team to plan out how we're going to do all this thing right and they came up with a plan that said right we're going to align all the data make sure all the data is right then we're going to like then implement the system then we're going to test the system then we're going to like do the rollout and all this sort of stuff and i was going okay so at what point are we getting the thing in the customer's hand so that they can first like see it and go no, that's not a swing. That's like I don't know, a step ladder, right? You know what I mean? That that another visual, but it's just like that. And I think I think it's both customer and team that got to get in this way. 
that there's a hybrid between, you know, you need some level of certainty, some level of like estimation, how long and how much some it will cost. But it's all about getting it to the customer quick. And that's the one agile, I don't know, I get this wrong, mm. either a principle or a, like a rule, but, you know, the the one that get it to the person and talk about it. Go, is that what you kind of, what are the problems with this thing? And then sort those things that's the lesson for, for project delivery for me. Get it to the person as soon as you can. But we don't like doing that's that. That's what I think. They go, that's a load of shit. <laughs> that's, that's not that's, what I want. That's, that's why I believe. Want that week two. Yeah, that's why I believe good organizations have really good product team. Because you could have the best development team in the world, but if the product that's been designed or agreed upon and being tested with the customers and between the when you know when they're talking to both the customer and the the the, the organization where they represented the business the product the product team they will take if you take crap to the development team they're gonna build you crap <laughs> you want good clear requirements that's gonna add value that the development team can pick up and work with it. This is this is why when I go to an organization, I spend most of my time with the product team because that is the, the key area that needs to, once they get the, that bit right, you can focus on having amazing developers, you know, working with them and making sure that they're building the right thing. But is until you have that in the middle working well, you know, you, you could end up with a product that it doesn't delight anyone neither the customer or the people building it. Yeah. One of the challenges maybe to, to come back to what you think on this, Gav, right, mm -hmm. is is I think that it's about relationships. I think people are so fragile. We get so invested in our thing. We're so scared of being told we're doing the wrong thing or in the wrong way that we, you know, we're averse to failure. We're averse to negative criticism. It, we take it personally. I, the, the, the number of times that people say, you know, I've offended them. And it, <laughs> I'm naturally, I must be a little bit like that, but it's not about me offending you. It's you choosing to take offense at the thing that's been, if I put you two in a room, you wouldn't be half as offended by, you know, the stuff that I, that other people might get offended by. And I think that that's like endemic throughout work. It's like people are just precious and just snowflakey and fragile. And, and, you know, and what we do is we, we then, go into a little room and spend loads of effort making something as perfect as we possibly can that doesn't stand any criticism. Whereas if you kind of go, okay, here's my harebrained idea. What do you think? And they go, no, no, all right, okay, back. And here's my next harebrained, oh, a bit more like that one. And you go, okay, what are you, do you know what I mean? It's like, that's the way we need to get better at work. Showing our workings out and getting people to a point where they feel that they can criticize or critique or you know help you build it not that it's already fully formed and nearly perfect and i don't think we do that enough either well, safety right you want to have that safe environment you want to build that trust you know going back to the five dysfunctions of a team yeah you want to build that you want to have that trust so people feel comfortable to be able to um, be vulnerable or come up you know be able to op have openness and be able yeah. to challenge things mm. Yeah, my, one thing that, that uh, again, going back to accounting college, which not done for 30 odd years, so it's odd to think of it now a couple of times in the same hour. But like, I've never seen anyone else do it, really. I guess it's like 
it might have been re reborn as design thinking or another buzzword that you know is an old thing re re uh, reimagined. But like just to to stop like people feeling criticised or like I've come up with an idea and someone's like I don't know it's going to work you're like oh, you know you haven't thought of anything mate. It's like just divorce each stage and just say like look this bit of like ten minutes everyone come up with the ideas and just write them down the board doesn't matter if they're terrible and then like the next ten minutes is like well for every idea don't hear any criticism tell me what would need to be true for that to work. And it might be like, because like no idea is a terrible idea, apart from maybe your boss in the next office. That might be a bad idea. <laughs> That's a bad idea. So it's like, well, tell me what would need to be true for that to be to work. And then you're like, well, that one then isn't a good idea because look at the amount of resource we need to make that work. Or this one isn't a good idea because actually we need to, you know, we haven't got the market to do that one. Or this one isn't a good idea because actually no one wants a, a triangular pint glass, which was actually a real idea. Putting beer in a pouch. That's not a good idea. But then that might be like, you know, other ideas flow off those. So you don't want to kill any ideas because then someone's like scared of saying something or whatever. Or it might just trigger something. It's like, oh, yeah, I've thought of, you know, because, you know, innovation in FMCG is like putting the same stuff in a different container. So like, you know, pet food is now in a pouch rather than in a can. It's like, well, that's an amazing innovation that's, yeah, that's yeah. leading the market. But like, no one would have thought of that if you hadn't, like, if you've killed the triangular pint glass idea. Maybe no one has thought of that. So, and then like, then you can then filter down on which ones are we, you know, which ones are going to be a goer. And I've never seen anyone, very rarely, apart from like marketing events or some things where they will like gather some feedback from the business. I don't see that sort of, you know, rules or rules in the right word. Like the culture of just like, let's just all be open and, and not shoot each other down. I don't often see that in like normal meetings that I think a lot of meetings could benefit from just having those sort of like guidelines there that look, look we're all, we're all that work to have a bit of fun. We're going to need to come up with some ideas. This is how we're going to do it. Let's uh, let's go without, <laughs> without being offended or... Uh, it comes again around. from the top. This is why the top of organisations are so important. We're trained to like support your boss's stupid idea. <laughs> 